0: Why was Prince better than Doublelift? There was so much hype going into this matchup. Of course, we have to get into that, and we will start with that. But some other questions to get into this week. Can FlyQuest 18-0? I know it's really early for a lot of people, but there's a lot of people asking the question. We will get into that. CLG faithful in shambles. Uh, TL has a massive elephant in the room, and C9 even has some obstacles of their own. We'll go over their biggest obstacle. Episode 113 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with BlueJay and JNT250. Let's start with Prince J Why was he better than Doublelift this time around?
1: Well, I think I mean specifically, actually, in the 100T Flyquest game, I thought it was Winsome. I thought Winsome actually did a really, really good job getting that counter pick support, saving it for last pick on red side. I, I've always thought that, like a marquee like point of good teams, is their ability to not necessarily draft super standard. And I guess what I mean by that is. Traditionally in the LCS, when teams are drafting, we're always saving last pick for mid or top. That That's just normally the, the, the narrative that follows the LCS has been for quite a long time. You'll always see some of the top teams in other regions, and I guess I'll single out probably one of the best teams in the world right now, T1. T1 often does this where their bot lane is so strong, and you know they can play through it pretty much however which way they want to. They'll often save counterpick for And I think in this situation right here, that last pick Nautilus was the entire reason why FlyQuest was stomping that bot lane for the most part. I mean, they got the counter pick Nautilus in the and Prince just ran show after lane phase. Like, it was, he was great.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's the perfect way of putting it. It's not so much that Prince was better than Doublelift, it's that FlyQuest bot lane was better than Doublelift and Busio. Um... A lot of people will look at Bucio like inting kind of in the early game, dying over and over again, but I wouldn't even describe it as him inting as much as I would One Hundred Thieves bot lane just not respecting what a Nautilus does. Um for those that have watched uh double content, I mean he re- he does his VOD review after every um after every weekend. And himself going over the games, uh, he mentioned how like they're just playing too far forward. And even the first hook from Nautilus from from Winsome it could hit either one. It could hit the Rakan or the Zaya. They're standing right on top of one another. And it just so happens to hit Busio, but like they should be playing back there and Winsome punishes them. So honestly, as much as you want to, even I want to talk about why Winsome or rather why Prince was better than Doublelift. I think we just need to acknowledge it's the bot lane matchup and it was the fly quest bot lane, not just Prince. And then obviously Prince takes over in the late game, right? That's, I mean, when you give him resources, that's what's going to happen. Or when he just wins lane, that's what's going to happen. But uh, I think we definitely saw a weakness in the 100 Thieves bot lane, and I don't think it was just Busio.
1: Yeah, I know when we were talking about 100 Thieves on our episode last week, you know, the main thing, you know, obviously Doublelift was the premier player to talk about on this team because Doublelift was playing really, really well. But we also did recognize that they had played up against some pretty weak bot lanes for the most part. The only time where they had, like, a, a difficult bot lane was their first game in Cloud9. Um And I think we sort of saw, you know, I mean, I think everybody recognized that Prince was the best ADC in the league. And I don't think there was a question about that. And to see that matchup for the first time, I think, is good info just to see how we, this matchup might play out again moving forward. But seeing Prince and Winsome dominate so hard definitely doesn't give you know, a lot of hope moving forward for the rematch of this matchup because I'm going to assume they're going to have Ayla. We're also assuming that Ayla is going to be better than Winsome, even though Winsome's actually been playing really well. But
0: Okay, let's talk about that, though, because I think that's so interesting. There's so many people asking the question, do you put Ayla in if Ayla, we don't know, maybe the Visa's already done now. Maybe Ayla plays this week coming up, but, like, it's hard to make a roster move when you're 6-0, right? Um, and right? Let, and let's also remind people that the managers and the GMs and the coaches and all that stuff, they all have way more information than we do. But I think it's still a difficult question or still a difficult answer as to which support you would put in. However, I would still go with Ayla. Me too. I think that there's the reason you built this roster is because you think this is your best five. I think that it will be really unfortunate if you put Ayla in and they do take their first loss. But clearly the reason you put this roster together is because you think Ayla's your best guy. And even though I think Winsome has played great so far this year, we did see a full split of Winsome last year and things weren't so hot, right? So um, while of course Winsome could have gotten better over the course of the year, we also know that he's not a perfect player or this like absolute support monster, despite the fact that he's had a really good start to this spring split.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm assuming that FlyQuest themselves thought that they were going to be one of the best teams in the league based on the roster that they were assembling. And, you know, it might suck to potentially be subbing out one of your players when you have started the season completely undefeated and look like the clear-cut best team in the league. But if FlyQuest is thinking long-term, and by long-term, I mean, you know, playoffs and worlds and whatnot, you want to get your best five or who you think your best five is acclimated as soon as possible. So... Maybe or it was at least the case. Try them out, right? Exactly. Try it out. You know, if Ayla is ready to play next week, I would expect FlyQuest to put him in and to get him, you know, up to shape. And if it is the case where maybe the bot lane isn't looking as good, and there's a, it seems to be obvious that Winsome is the better option. Maybe they go back to Winsome, and I think that's a completely fine thing to do. But I think at the same time, you know, you do need to take, you know. You need to be taking all your available opportunities to improve your roster and to put the best five man out there when playoffs comes, which is the most important thing.
0: Yeah, there's no one that ever is like, "Hey man, remember that time in spring split when we started off nine and up?" Like no one cares that much, right? What you want is you want a championship. You want to go to MSI. You want to go to Worlds. And so, uh, I mean, it just seems very obvious that you put your best five in for the long term, not for the short term. Um, But then there's also a lot of people. That are expecting things to go really well. In the long term JNT. A lot of people are starting to ask the question 18-0. I'll uh, I'll give you first word on this one. Do you think the 18-0 is. Possible. Likely. Very likely. Unlikely. So on.
1: I mean it's definitely possible. And I would say it's. Not like out of the complete realm of possibilities. In terms of like a percentage. Maybe like. Definitely not. You know. One to five. It's maybe like. 10 to 20 percent chance they could probably go 18-0. Like this team looks really good. They've beaten, you know, normally when we like, they they had a really good test this weekend. They played both EG and 100 Thieves, two teams. who I think everybody expects to be in the top four at this point, along with FlyQuest and Cloud9. Just based on how the first six games of the LCS have played out, I think everyone assumes that FlyQuest is one, and then it's kind of a race for second place with C9, EG, and 100 Thieves, and FlyQuest beat all those teams pretty handily for the most part. I would say their toughest game probably came against EG out of the three, even though all three of them were kind of close. But, uh, FlyQuest looks really good, man. It's possible.
0: The argument for it is that they've already played the tough teams in the first half. Like, I it first of all, it's like a Super Week coming up. There's three games, and they're all against, I don't remember, they're garbage teams whether it's like immortals tsm i I don't remember but it's 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 beatable teams i think clg's on there as well um so that's the argument for but then you still have another nine games after that where you have to play everyone once again to me i think it's less than 10 to 20 percent i think it's really unlikely and the thing is I, i like i love FlyQuest, but I could acknowledge that even though their their win record is perfect, their games are not perfect. There's still some mistakes being made. You could point to Vikla's performance where he gets the solo kill on JoJo against the victor, which was, by the way, a really nice play. Then he kind of proceeded to run it down the rest of the game. Like, there's some weaknesses there, right? Um, the game where Spika used... Uh, uh, what was that? I think that was the game against 100 Thieves. Spika used the Sedge Q over into Rift Herald, and he steals the Herald, and then they get two kills over to 100 Thieves. Like th- First of all, that was a coin flip. Spica could have lost that spike, and then the play is really not wor- like. There's some mistakes being made. Impact has had a great season, no doubt, but he still kind of got clapped against Tenacity. So, there's mistakes being made, is the point that I'm making. Despite the fact that I'm really excited for FlyQuest, and they're definitely my favorite, I think they're going to finish first overall, um, I definitely don't see them going 18-0. and zero. And I want to ask you, JNT, this is the way I look at it. I want to ask you if this is fair or unfair. So, we have never had a team go eighteen zero, right?
1: In the LCS, no.
0: Correct. Um the last we've had a few teams go seventeen and one. I think Immortals, TSM, and most recently Cloud Nine, is that right? Yep. So I think the way I looked at it is the most recent one with with Cloud Nine being seventeen and one in twenty twenty, I believe. Yeah. I brilliant. thought it if I, who did I think looked better, that Cloud Nine roster or this FlyQuest roster? And in my head I went with that cloud nine roster. That was I guess... the
1: I guess what I would say as a follow up is do you think that this FlyQuest has a better like a higher ceiling than that Cloud9 roster?
0: Um that's really difficult to say. I don't I don't think you can have six games and know one way or another just yet as far as like true ceiling yet.
1: But I guess Um, I guess kind of why I pose the question is I think having having there only been six games, you can easily argue that FlyQuest is going to get better. Just because so because it's open only to interpretation. I, there's... I guess. I mean, it's, you know, when they're the best team, you know, it's. We're not assuming that this team is going to fall off a cliff at some point. You know, they're continually going to get better and better relative to the rest of the league. And it's usually, for the most part, on the rest of the league who's playing catch up to the first place team. And by the looks of it so far, you know, I think FlyQuest is the front runner. And Oh, yeah, no doubt. 18 0 definitely is possible. I mean, we've seen, especially when you have these these lanes or these players that just are substantially better than all the rest of their counterparts in the LCS. And I think when you go back to some of those rosters that were as dominant as they were, you know, back to Immortals in 2016, like, the way that they won games was through Hooney, and everybody knew that. Hooney basically was, you know, the other players on the rest of the team were doing that job very well, but the Immortals team in 2016 was all about Hooney and Rainover just working together Mm -hmm. as a top jungle pairing, and doing whatever the hell they want and rain over basically just camping topside. But what also made this team successful was the bot lane. To, the bot lane's ability to just stabilize and chill. Pobelter to basically just be like this utility guy who's playing around the rest of the map. And I think you kind of have a similar situation in FlyQuest. You have the absolute dominant carry in Prince. You have a great support player, you know, so far in Winsome, what we've seen. Presuming Ayla's going to come in and be equal, if not slightly better. And then you have weak side God in Impact. And you have Spika who, through six games, basically looks like the former Spika rather than mental right. boom TSM Speaker. And, you know, Vikla also seems to be a very, very strong laner. Has shown, like, maybe a little bit of inting tendencies in the side lanes, especially when he's on, like, a, a more carry, you know, style champion. But, obviously, he's a very good player as well. So, I think this roster is pretty comparable to that Immortals one back in the day. And, you know, they got pretty close to the as well.
0: Yeah. But they didn't, though. <laughs> but they didn't 18-0. I mean, yeah,
1: CLG beat them with some Udyr bullshit. I Look, I will
0: be more than happy if this roster goes 18-0. and zero. I, Anyway, I just want to get back to my argument of why I would take that Cloud9 roster over this one. Um, while I do think they would be, I mean, it's all hypothetical, right? We would never be able to see them play. And while it would be awesome to see them play, I don't think we've seen the same amount of dominance that we saw out of Blaber and Niski that split. On this roster, we're seeing it in the bot lane with Prince, but I don't know if we're seeing constantly um, invading and taking over the enemy team's jungle and just suffocating them out of the game. There's a lot of these games like FlyQuest is not falling behind in any of these games, but they're not running away with them in the early game the way Cloud9 was back then as well. And so that's the reason why I still give the edge to that Cloud9 roster. And yes, I know we'll never know the answer to that, but I just that's why I think. I'm not quite ready for the 18-0. And if I had to give them a number of wins, I'd probably give them 16. I think I would give them 16 wins. I think they'll go 16 and two if I had to. If I had to guess,
1: where those two losses going to be? Two random losses, like for fun losses, or like actual losses.
0: What do you mean? What's I mean, like, guess? are they just
1: going to like throw up a fucking like donut against like Golden Guardians or something and play like I, I don't know no. the most random shit you've ever seen. So is it like going to be I like, mean, they're going to lose to EG and it'll be like a...
0: EG's on my list that I think could beat them. I think this weekend we saw a game that was really close and could have gone either way. Um, I would also say maybe Cloud9. But the thing is, there's so that's one of the other issues with the team going 18-0 is like, there's also so many other good teams. Like, yes, I know everyone's far from perfect right now. But like, there's four or five teams that we've said this whole split long that could still win the whole thing. And I don't think that that's really changed just because FlyQuest is really good doesn't mean suddenly Cloud9's not to worry about, suddenly uh, EG's not to worry about, 100 Thieves, even TL has a lot of room for growth, like, we know they're not looking that great right now, but TL has room for growth as well and could get better, I could see them taking a game off Fly, so, like, that's one of the issues about going 18-0, and 0, is that there's so many different threats standing in their way of perfection, and we've never even seen an 18-0 team, anyways. I'm giving them 16 wins. If you Now, I said you said it was like a 10 to 20%. How many wins would you give them this, this split?
1: I mean, 16 sounds about right if, you know, you're trying to take, like, the average and find, like, you know. 16 sounds like a pretty good middle ground in terms of that's what they'll get to. But, you know, I definitely think that, you know, this team will probably run through the majority of the bottom teams in the league as long as there's no, like, experimentation going on. I know, you know, one thing that, I find always pretty respectable is teams who are willing to experiment in the early to mid parts of the season. If, I mean, assuming you know that you're going to be a top team and you're just going to, you're going to end up being a top team just because of the players who are on your team, you know, I think we've seen some teams who get out to this insane, you know, start to the regular season don't really end up innovating and then sometimes can be vulnerable in the playoffs if that same style that they've been so dominant on is not as prevalent in the meta. In the playoff patch, so yeah. I, I think that if in a world where FlyQuest is just playing exactly what they need to do to win and just stomping everybody, yeah, I think eighteen o 0 is like a decent percentage chance. Definitely not nothing, but you know, if you're thinking about the long term and wanting to make playoffs, be the number one, one or two seed, going to MSI, going to Worlds and stuff like that, I expect that Ayla's going to come in and Ayla might not be up to snuff like instantly. I expect this team to do a little bit of experimentation in the draft if. It's whether or not they want to maybe have Prince be a weak side player and maybe put Vickler impact on the carry, whatever it may be. I, I think that you should always prioritize improving and innovating in the long term over just like we want the eighteen zero or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the approach they'll take. Um, anything else, or should we move on to Evil Geniuses?
1: Oh, I think that's good. We got a EG up next. Uh, they did lose that game to FlyQuest, very close game, and picked up a pretty easy win against. Uh, CLG uh this team looks pretty good they're sitting at four and two tied for second place now with cloud nine and 100 thieves you know not the start that I think people were expecting considering they are uh one of the best teams in the LCS roster wise um and yeah just a bit of a slow start but still looking really good
0: yeah for me there was not a lot of takeaways this weekend from EG um I, I guess if you had to point to a game you'd have to point to the FlyQuest game because their game against C9 nothing really happened, right?
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> like, a weird game. Like It
0: was a weird like that's a game that you expect so much to happen and just nothing really happened. It was like kind of a snooze fest and they took three barons somehow uncontested. I still haven't gotten over that. Um yeah, literally every time they took baron, all C9 members were alive. Like no kills led to three barons being taken. And like the second one was sort of contested. But I think easily EG could just walk away if they wanted to. They engaged a fight after taking the Baron. It, it was a weird weekend. Um, but against FlyQuest, um, I really thought Vulcan had a, a really good game. His Nami bubbles were on point that game. I just think that FlyQuest was still a little bit too too good for EG to handle or for Vulcan Nami bubbles to really make the difference. But that was the standout performer in that game from EG side of things. I thought Vulcan was looking really, really good and, I mean that's kind of what we've come to expect out of Vulcan over the last whatever many years. He's clearly one of our best supports in the league and I think he showed uh um showed that in that game against FlyQuest.
1: Yeah, Vulcan, I feel like continues to fly under the radar a little bit. Like this guy just doesn't seem to get talked about a lot and I think both of us have continued to say this like he's been easily the second best support in the LCS for the last 4 years now. Pretty much ever since he joined the LCS, he's been not too far behind Core JJ in terms of just performance across a four-year span. So,
0: and there's some people I'm not there yet, but there's some people that are putting him ahead of Core JJ because Core. I'm J. not there yet either, but... I'm not. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I think the majority of people are not there yet, but I think it's fair to ask the question if he continues to play the way he's playing.
1: Yeah, definitely fair. Um, the, the only only thing that I thought was interesting with this EG versus FlyQuest game was it felt like it was the first time where we saw this Jace pick. Sort of pop up out of nowhere. Jace was just felt like randomly a champion. Like to me, that just wasn't really on my radar. That now seems to be very prevalent in the meta. Yeah, I'm seeing it a few times. Yeah, you you kind of saw some genius out of FlyQuest. Um, in that after they went with the blind pick Jace, they just insta pick Scion, which is like yeah. impact special. Basically, he's like one of the guys who basically will bring back Scion whenever he wants. Like whenever it's just good, he brings it back, and you see other people start to play it, and you kind of saw. Other drafts developed later in the day and even the next day in the LCS where people then started to swap the Jace mid after people were picking a tank into it. And it felt like, you know, EG just didn't have the balls to do that. You know, in that game, they went blind pick Jace, got counterpicked. And then I just was like, oh, shit, what do we do now? Let's fuck it. Let's pick Victor. Like, although I think JoJo still had a really good game. It just, you know, you could really see Sunday couldn't do much of anything in that top lane matchup.
0: Yeah, I think JoJo's the takeaway, I guess, the other takeaway for this team, because JoJo did not have a good first couple of weeks. He was absolutely running it down. And I don't think we really saw that this weekend, did we? Did we see him in? No, he,
1: he, he. I thought he played well against FlyQuest. He was the only one pretty much doing anything in team fights in that game.
0: And, and the other thing that I liked about their, we'll call it an adaptation, after they did the triple AD thread into the Scion, the next day they said, you know what? everyone's talking about how op ad carries are let's just play two of these freaking things and let's not waste our time playing like the melee ad carry let's play the actual like who's gonna build the ie and absolutely smash like they got the tristana mid which clearly looked great like ad carries are so op right now it feels like a good meta read obviously we'll have to see a bigger sample size but it feels like a good meta read to me to run two ad carries at the moment and i know not really much happened in that game so that's why i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but. I'd like to see the Tristana mid again out of JoJo if he gets the opportunity for it.
1: Well, and definitely even if even in a game where EG expected it to be slow, Tristana is still going to be a strong pick because it's just can annihilate to towers. And if yeah. you're in a game which is basically at a standstill, you get any like you get any you get two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. Trist can half shot a tower from full with E plus demolish which he had in that game. So. I mean, you could tell basically when the mid game opened up and the game just stopped being a complete snooze fest at like 20 minutes, you know, even though it still kind of was a snooze fest in terms of like the lack of team fighting. I mean, it was there was really only fighting around objectives. But whenever Jojo got into a side lane for a brief moment, a tower was going down.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I I think the the best thing for EG fans to see Jojo not running it down. Uh, a new pick that he could pull out that has he can have success on in the Tristan. The other thing too is he likes to play really forward and Tristan is also pretty good at escaping, so that's maybe even a better reason to have him on a Trist. Yeah,
1: he had some um, really nice kind of just moves in lane phase just to dodge, you know, yeah, it, you know, ganks and dying had a couple of really nice buster shots. The the one yeah. was like super nice at like level seven or something where it's getting like double jumped on and times it perfectly <laughs> to knock them both away. JoJo definitely had a good week. I mean, they they All lost that game against say... FlyQuest. You know, sure, you lost against the number one team. Guess what? Your player who was kind of running it down had a really good game. And your little experiment with the Jace didn't really work. And, you know, I think we'll... we'll... I don't know how much more we're going to see of that pick, but...
0: All this know. to say that I think if you're playing EG, I think you should probably consider banning Tristana because it seems like a pick that's going to work well for Evil Geniuses. Um, Nothing else for me for, for this week, anyways. not really much out of uh eg for me to really talk about
1: yeah we got uh we got cloud nine up next obviously you know took that loss against eg but kind of smacked up tsm and the game on thursday um you know hard to take a lot away from c9 this week uh they did have that really snoozer game to eg just kind of a weird game in general i mean basically there's no kills for what 20 minutes into the game i think it was the first blood came mm-hmm. like just after 20 minutes was Ven? i think it was Ven, right who got caught out somewhere
0: so here, here's the way i want to go with the cloud nine conversation for me i want to talk about what their biggest obstacle is however i don't know if i can make this conclusion based off the whole season more about just this weekend where like in both games they weren't able to make anything happen And you might say, well, that's just two games. What's the big deal? The big deal is that Cloud9 has never had issues making things happen. And so that's why I was really, really thrown off by them being behind against TSM, right? For like 20 minutes before they finally engaged a fight and then making nothing happen against EG either, which was like, so not the Cloud9 that I know anyways. And so it makes me wonder if maybe they're having issues uh, with their jungle mid, because that's usually been their bread and butter is for blabber to invade and then have prio and kind of uh back him up and while i do see them continue to invade they're not really getting any many uh really getting many leads off of it and i think that's kind of the difference now i don't know if i could apply that conclusion to again the first couple of weeks but that was something that was really strange and stood out to me this weekend did you was that any uh stand out to you or am i alone here
1: i mean i definitely agree with that because i think this was both games this weekend, Diplex really didn't have priority at all for the most part, and majority of lane, pretty much in both lanes this week, he was getting shoved in the entire time. Was down like a little bit of CS, but I, I guess it is a little bit understandable in terms of like their their lack of engages or their lack of even trying to engage in the first twenty minutes of the game for both. Well, of the and games. when they
0: did though, against TSM. When they did, it was a really clean engage, right? I mean, it's the perfect Wombo that they want. They had the Nocturne go in. They follow up with the Galio. I think they had the Lulu Walt, and then they had Jack's flank. Like, they were... They knew what they were doing when it came time to engage. It's just a little bit worrying when it takes you 20 minutes, because if you're having problems finding that engage against TSM, right, you're going to have problems finding it against a better team, because I don't think TSM's that great of an early-game team, unless maybe things change this weekend because they had a pretty good early game in a couple of games this weekend i suppose but yeah i um, guess the i, I rest don't of know the year not really
1: if if i were to point to one game being more concerning than the other i think it's more the easy game than the tsm game i feel like with the champions that cloud nine is playing like yeah you're playing a very hard engaged type of team comp but it's not like you can engage like Anytime, any place, anywhere. Like you do have to have the proper setup, and you did see when Cloud9 set up properly and actually did go in for their team fights, it was a wipe almost every single time. It was clean. They were it constant. They were constantly getting Nocturne alt into Galio alt on priority target. Zven would then follow up with the Insta Lulu R onto either the Jax who was flanking to knock up the people who to basically ensure that the Galio alt is going to hit them and re knock them up, or knock up Blaber or Diplex as they're flying in. So. I thought mm-hmm. that in the TSM game, yeah, it was like, a, I wouldn't even call it worrying, but it was just a bit weird to see Cloud9 pick the style of team and not really force any fights, and then, but but once they did, they they just completely rolled the game over. More, yeah, in the it was e-
0: nice to see Zeri or rather Berserker on the Zeri get the penta because yeah. Berserker's kind of flown under the radar so far this year. Like, not really much has happened and it was like oh yeah all right berserker on zary like he's gonna get a pentacon.
1: literally was going in one v nine like on two separate occasions in that game like, Dude, he's, that in their, was nuts he's in there he's in their watch. base at like 22 minutes
0: yeah that was actually pretty crazy even though the one play didn't work out i still love that he went for it where he's diving behind tier two tower that's still up that was a, a nutty play
1: yeah that was funny and then yeah i guess the, the more concerning game is definitely the eg one for me um you know i've always i think i've said this a bunch of times in the past but whenever you have two teams that are playing scaling versus scaling and neither team is doing anything one team is clearly wrong here like yes you know when you're playing scaling versus scaling you know you are just sometimes going to resort to just saying oh we're scaling but at the same time when you are playing scaling versus scaling you always have to recognize if the enemy team is scaling harder than you or faster right. than you or or whatever and From then, you have to make a decision to say, guys, we have to start forcing shit and like forcing these fights and you kind of saw that with Cloud9. Like they I wouldn't say they had control of the game, but they were choosing to, you know, trade, you know, first Rift Herald for first Dragon and then therefore get the second Dragon because EG was like, yeah, we're just going to we're going to hold our prior on the top side of the map and fight the next Herald." I was like, that's fine. Do whatever you want there. But you kind of saw Cloud9. You know, once the third dragon spawned, they kind of lost the ensuing position battle for it. There wasn't any kills, I don't think, on that third ocean drake because it was like 17 minutes. But they basically lost the position, decided to give the drake, and basically then made the decision to just give the next two straight up. Like, they gave up the next two drags and was like, "Uh, we need Zeri to hit three items before we can do anything. And then, you know, in turn, as you also said, like, they lost three barons uncontested or almost uncontested, five members alive. Isn't that so crazy? It, it's definitely crazy. I mean, especially all three times. Like,
0: Yeah, I, like the third one makes sense. Like, guys, we can't contest this. They back off fine. But the first two, I don't even know if they knew they were happening until it was gone.
1: And then even when team fights sort of did start to break out, you know, we, we really only had like two team fights this whole game. But you could kind of see that EG's comp was just easier to execute. Like, you're playing the double AD carry. You have the Nami. You just press your buttons on them, jump out when necessary. And... You know, it's much easier to team fight. You could see when Cl- like Cloudon had their moments in those team fights. You know, Diplex. The fudge he, triple kill? Yeah, like the fudge triple kill obviously was really nice. Diplex, that while he pretty high. much was doing nothing the entire game, he was landing some decent poke. And the two times that he actually was involved in team fights, pretty much 100 to 0's JoJo in mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah. So you could kind of just see that EG just had the slight, slight edge in the team fighting, which was all that really mattered in this game because it was just team fighting versus team fighting and scaling versus scaling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I don't think like the sky isn't falling for Cloud9. They're still looking good. I'm sure that Diplex still has a long way to go and some synergy to build up with Blabber. And I do still think at the end of the day, or rather at the end of the split, I suppose, I do think you'll see Cloud9 contending. So there's not really too much worry there. Um, before we move on to 100 Thieves, I want to remind people that we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the all the different Anchor-supported podcast platforms. So if you want to find us on other, <clears> you know, methods, just look up the Clown Fiesta podcast and you will find us. Uh, okay, let's go 100 Thieves, T.
1: Yep. Obviously, we did talk about 100 Thieves a little bit, more specifically their bot lane, so I think we should start off with this team by flipping up to the top side, because I think mm-hmm. Tenacity had his first good week, I would say, in terms of, what he was able to do in the laning phase and maybe some of that, you know, hype that people were talking about coming into his LCS career. We're we're seeing a little bit of that now.
0: Yeah. It was nice to see him get the lead against impact. Um, That was not something that I think any of us were really expecting. It was a little, a little bit unfortunate that he wasn't able to carry that game on the Fiora. Um, But I don't, I don't think we could just lay that at his feet. Like, Oh, you had the gold and you didn't carry like, I'm sure there is some criticism to be had there, um, but at the same time, when your bot lane's kind of, we'll say, running it a little bit. I don't know if they were running
1: it's... it per se, but they were just getting destroyed, kind of like they weren't running well, it down. What's the but...
0: difference? I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know.
1: I mean, running it down, like Sem- semantics. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: But yeah. the point is that there was definitely disadvantages on the other ends of the map that doesn't make that game so free to uh, to carry with. Um, a couple of things to defend him was I saw FlyQuest pinging perfectly where 100 Thieves had vision. And you could see Spica, he goes over the, the Herald wall, and that's how he ganks top and shuts down top. And that's just, to me, good play by FlyQuest tracking where 100 Thieves is getting vision down. Because you can't get vision everywhere, it's impossible. And so the one death that he gets shut down with, I thought that was more of a good play from FlyQuest, more than it was a bad play out of out of him. And... The other area that I'll point to, which I thought was more of a good play out of FlyQuest, was late game. Once the Fiora is super fed, FlyQuest identifies, look, their only win condition is this Fiora split pushing. So, let's wait until we see Fiora enter one of the lanes. Oh, she goes bot lane? Okay, well, let's all go bot lane and siege there, right? If you have Baron buff, you're going to pick a lane to siege. You're not going to let the Fiora go on the other side of the map. You're going to pick to siege where that Fiora is so she can't split on you, right? You're kind of taking away their win condition. And so as soon as he showed on the bot wave, you saw all of FlyQuest. They, first of all, when they based, they ran down mid, they spotted Fiora, they said, oh, Fiora's bot. And then they went straight bot and started CGing there. So that's just a good macro play because what you're doing there is you're either forcing the Fiora to be a part of a 5v5, which 100 Thieves would not win, or you're forcing Fiora to now back and go top lane when the dragon will be spawning So so to me it was just good macro out of fly quest and understanding that look guys all we need to do is mirror this fiora and not leave her alone in a side lane and we'll win this game so i don't think tenacity could really do much about that what's he supposed to do never show on a wave how do you split push right
1: yeah i mean split pushing unfortunately is just kind of dead uh, just by all accounts right now because you're basically it hasn't
0: been meta for a while
1: yeah i mean Unless we see like sweeping changes to Baron and Dragon Soul and stuff like that, split push is really never going to be like a a premier strategy like it used to be, you know, back in the day. But I the think... dragon
0: timers are too short, right? It's five minutes in between dragons. Like, it's so even that, so quick.
1: Yeah, and even that you have Rift Herald spawns. You have Baron that yeah. usually will end up in between there. You know, yeah. You, ha- you the... have a you have objective bounties now, which people are always like trying to defend towers now. Like, you don't
0: want to ever willingly give up like
1: or two outer towers and stuff. There's, There's too many
0: objectives spawning for you to be sitting AFK in a side lane pushing. Yeah, um, generally, right? There, there are times that split pushing will work, but generally, you need to show up to fights, and so that's one of the things that holds Fiora back, even though she is still a really solid champion right now.
1: But I think you kind of outlined it pretty well in terms of what FlyQuest was doing to basically, you know, what FlyQuest was doing in response to this Fiora, because the Fiora was the only reason that 100 Thieves was in the game whatsoever. You know, yeah. did get the nice solo kill at the beginning of the game. Was doing a pretty good job of just like picking off the stragglers in team fights. You could kind of see FlyQuest like learning on the job during this game, where you know they were in terms of their team fighting, they were really balled up towards the end, as opposed to being a little more fanned out and spread out, which you saw in the early game because Tenacity was really able to just get in there and pick off one person and get the refresh cooldown on the ghosts, and then run somebody else down, and then run another person down and. You saw in the last two team fights of this game, really, really that like was kind of just all stood on top of each other. And any time that the Fiora tried to dive the back lane, they just started throwing all of the CC at them. I mean, they have like three melee CC bots and Cassante, Sejuani, and Nautilus. And you saw it two times. Tenacity tried to jump in to finish off a low HP carry. Just could not touch anybody. Just getting smacked around with the CC.
0: Yeah. And while we can acknowledge that he had a great game on the Fiora and, you know, he wasn't able to carry, we do have to point to the Jax game. Because even though he got the solo kill on Summit, I think that was kind of a gift by Summit. Well, not kind of. It was was. a gift. (laughs) Yeah, it was was a gift. And then he had some pretty poor flanks, if you want to call them that. Like, the one was around the Rift Herald fight where he just kind of ints, like, his whole team is getting Maokai ulted. They're never in a million years going to be able to follow up, so he kind of just gives a free kill. And then there was the other play where he TPs like across mid lane. And again, he goes in where like, there's no world where his team's going to be able to follow up once again. So I I guess if there's one area that I could point to for criticism, it's his ability to flank and to recognize what's a good flank and what's an int, which by the way, is not an easy thing to do. It looks way easier because we're spectating, but there's so many things to consider. What's your team's cooldowns? What's theirs? What, what, uh, yeah uh, how strong their carries are whether you can get to their carry before they kill you like there's so many things to consider that like him inting on a couple of flanks to me is really normal for a rookie so I don't put too much thought into it I think there's a lot of room for growth and I think that he's kind of on the right roster to be able to do that
1: yeah I think his the idea is there but the execution isn't you know perfect you know he definitely has the right idea in that game in terms of you know, finding the angles to flank and flanking. He's just doing it a smidge too early or his team isn't necessarily, you know, at there, you know, right there to capitalize on his flank. Or Mm -hmm. there could be some miscommunication, like you mentioned with, you know, in that one play where the whole team's getting malky ulted. You know, maybe he's not recognizing that his team is getting malky ulted or his team's not saying anything. And he's like, guys, I'm flanking, I'm flanking or or something along the lines of that. But I think, you know, when you look at tenacity more compared to Busio, I would say that tenacity is looking like a pretty solid player from what we've seen so far. And he is making some rookie mistakes, you know, but I think the, the eye test, like tenacity is definitely passing the eye test. I would say Busio, the jury's a little, you know, the jury's out still a little bit. I don't think that Busio is a bad player by any means, but you know, this is now, you know, the TL game we're talking about, but also the FlyQuest game and the cloud nine game is, you know, Three of the six games so far, Bucio's not played well, really. So, you know,
0: uh, I, I'd give them both a pass, honestly. The yeah, thing is, it's I, don't, always, I don't think it's, it's, it's doom and just, gloom or anything. It's the rookie pass, right? It's, yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, so there's like a little bit of a an asterisk there. Um, hey, I guess
1: all I would say is that tenacity is leading Busio by a wee bit in terms of.
0: You think so? His, his rookiness. I don't really have an opinion on that because I think they both had their ups and downs. Anyways, I want to talk about Bjerkson. Dude, his Talia was great. Um, first of all, the Talia walls are perfect. Those are great. But that's not exactly the most difficult thing to do. I don't want to make it sound easy. But, like, I fully expect Bjergsen to be able to put down a Talia wall in the right spot. What I do think is more impressive is his ability to use the wall but then line up the W right after. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the game against TL where he splits off Harry on the other side of the wall. And the only place that Harry can do DPS from is just on that other side of the wall, which it, Harry either does no damage, and so he doesn't wa- he doesn't walk up and does no damage, or he has to walk up where Bjergsen knows this is the only spot he can stand and do damage and clips him with the W and basically one shots him, right? And then there was the other fight at Rift Herald where he finds the Sivir in the middle of the team fight and basically one shots him. And I know there's so much discussion about Doublelift, which fair enough, he's he was like 14 and 0 in that game, but I think there was so much of a like. Uh, I I don't know. I I guess I just think Bjergsen was a little bit underrated in how important he was in that game. I thought his Talia was fantastic. Um, just if was the one getting the quadra kill, for example.
1: Yeah, no, his Talia walls were really good, and pretty much every single game he's got that. He you know, he knows the spots to be at pretty much whether he's on blue or red side. You just stand at the blue or red buff at dragon or. The reverse at Baron and basically you just want to cut that whole objective down the middle and you could see he, he knows exactly when and where to be when team fights are breaking out almost every single dragon team fight he was standing at his own blue buff throwing the wall diagonally cutting the dragon in half and you know, it, it was just great I mean we're also seeing especially this week kind of around the world Talia being like the premier counter pick into his ear and mm-hmm. they did it right here and you could sort of see how Difficult it is for Azir to just lane in general. Once Lea has access to level nine plus the E, basically just Azir can't do anything to her. He's not never allowed to jump in because you're gonna get insta stunned by the E. Leah always has to push. It's just good pick and Bjergsen played it well.
0: Yeah, and everyone has their focus on Doublelift right now, ourselves included, because well, one reason is it's Doublelift, but two. 80 carries are freaking OP right now, right? <laughs> like, that's games are kind of being won by who has the stronger 80 carry in, in a sense. I and so, see. yeah. And, and so, you kind of expect that to happen. But I guess the question needs to be asked what if 80 carry is no longer the way games are being won, right? What if 80 carries do get their nerf? Because I feel like a nerf should be coming in the somewhat near future. We'll see if Freak really wants to let that happen. But. Metas change all the time, and so I guess I got to ask the question, what do you think happens to 100 Thieves if eighty carries are not the way the game is won? Does that change? Can they adapt? Is it not such a big deal? Is it a big deal?
1: Well, I think it's it's an interesting question because regardless of if ADC is strong or not, any team that Doublelift has been on has been a bot-centric team. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see, you know, if... There is a shift in the meta if 100 Thieves continues to play very bot-centric and whether that means picking strong laners for Doublelift and strong laners for Busio, which is what they've been doing pretty much the whole split, or if it shifts more into picking, you know, strong, you know, aggressive junglers and aggressive topside and playing a more traditional like topside focused uh, game plan, which we've seen from teams like, you know, Summit on Cloud9, Broken Blade TSM, you know, uh, Someday on 100 Thieves last year. So it will be interesting to see what they do, although I think the team has the tools, if they wanted to, to play topside carry, because I think Tenacity has shown that for the most part all year. Like, he's played, what, like two or three Jacks games, a Fiora game, a Dante game, and he had one Orn game, I think. So pretty decent balance of carries and tanks so far. And to me, it seems like he has the ability to play carries, being the strong side player. So I think this team is pretty interchangeable in terms of, what they could look like in a different meta.
0: I just think it's so good that the game can be played around Doublelift because we know that's his strength, but also Bjergsen is so good at being that utility guy, man. We talked about the Talia walls, right? Like, those are important, but also the Zillion, for example, like, to allow Doublelift to actually go ape shit. Things like that, like, I think it's so underrated be- and I feel like that's... we We've seen that for years, right? Where, like, the supportive playstyle doesn't really get the credit, but... I think we really need to give Bjergsen some credit with how well that works with double if specifically that loves to get the resources. I think it's such an asset to be able to have a guy that doesn't need the resources and can play with the guy that does want them. And so I, I would be a little bit worried if it shifted away from a bot-centric meta, but I don't know. Because like, we have seen Bjergsen play the carry in the past, right? Um, we've seen him, he used to go apeshit on a call. I mean, you named the champion, LeBlanc, Akali, a bunch of crap, right? Uh, who's next?
1: Uh, we got TSM actually.
0: Ooh, TSM.
1: They're sitting at a nice little three and three right now. Um, took the loss to Cloud Nine, but did uh beat CLG. Um, honestly, TSM. I think what the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, oh my god, I don't have the word. They're like outperforming their expectations. But I was looking for a word there, couldn't find it. But this team, I think, is a little bit better than people are giving
0: them credit for. Overachieving, perhaps? Is that...
1: Me? I mean, it's it's unfortunate for TSM if we're saying they're overachieving at a 3-3 and record, but...
0: Well, yeah, but I don't think that that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: I mean, I don't know. I would
0: say This weekend was their best weekend, despite it, it wasn't the 2-0 that they had earlier in the split, but I still think that this was their best weekend. Being able to hold off Cloud9 in the early game is something that a lot of teams have struggled to do in the past. And even though they lost that game, I still thought they had a pretty clean early game. Who else did they play? What was the other one? Oh, CLG. Uh, CLG. CLG's kind of a dumpster fire right now. We'll, we'll get to yeah, them in a second. C but... CLG
1: also did some Jace experimentation this game, which did not work.
0: But they held off CLG just fine, and I mean, I guess you got a point to their, their biggest asset right now, which I think would have to be solo. Um I know he just picked Scion. <laughs> and I know it was into a triple A D threat. Well, CLG is a bunch of
1: dumbasses for doing that, so
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's hard to, because um, you don't want to discount the fact that CLG is kind of trolling a little bit, but also, like, what more do you want TSM to do? They played it perfect into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could say that the, the, the top dive was kind of messy, right? They ended up giving three kills away to CLG at the start of the game because Boogie had a pretty messy Elise dive. I don't even know where the cocoon went, but I don't think it hit anyone. No, and I you think could he... Do-
1: I thought he threw it into a minion, did, but... Did it hit I'm... someone?
0: I don't know. I, I didn't. It didn't hit Dokla. I thought he threw into is, a
1: minion, but...
0: The the drafting from TSM was so good anyways, because even though that was 3-for-2 in the favor of CLG, it was so worth for Scion, because Sion got the two kills. And Sion was... You couldn't do anything against him. So, I don't know. That, that was a weird... Uh, it was, like, not the cleanest dive, but still t- gave TSM the advantage, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, that game versus CLG with with the whole Jace swapping mid, like the plan was there, but the execution just wasn't like they did everything right up until they picked Renekton into Scion with the last pick in the draft. Like, I mean, it makes a lot of sense with what they were going for. They basically copied the exact same draft that Cloud9 did, but presumably with the knowledge that, hey, we're going to swap this Jace mid and pull a fast one on them. Then they decided to pick that Renekton into Scion. And we saw that matchup like a shit ton in 2021 when it was, Renek- when it was like Renekton meta, basically. And Scion just like hardcore wins. Like there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about yeah. it. So you pick this Renekton into the Scion, which sure wins in the early game for the first 10 minutes. But you just get infinitely outscaled. And I'm just really smacked up CLG.
0: Yeah. And I called TSM frauds for the first couple of weeks, but maybe this week they might have been, pro- they might have proven me wrong this week. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself being like, oh, wow, they had a good week. And, you know, it was a one and one And, but like, I guess the areas where I was impressed was it it definitely seemed like they were prepped for Cloud9, for example. Like, and coming into a game prepared is definitely something that is so underrated and not talked about enough. But Twice, they were ready for Cloud9's Invade. They knew what Cloud9 was going to do, and they set it up perfect both times to be able to contest. Now, the first one, Blabber ended up taking like half the chicken camp and walked away or whatever. But the second time, they ended up punishing, and I don't remember who they killed, but TSM was ready and and punished Cloud9 for that Invade. And that, to me, just felt like good prep. And so that's an area where I'm like, okay, not complete fraudsters. We'll see... We'll see what Week Four brings. Like they have three games coming up, and if they absolutely run it, run, absolutely run it down, I'll call them fraudsters again. But this week made me a little bit more hesitant on the fraud conclusion.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the thing I guess going into the season when we both were looking at TSM compared to to the rest of the league, and more specifically the rest of the teams at the bottom of the of the standings. You know, the I guess I'll, I'll reference Cubby because I think when he was on, he he. His side of the story was, who's going to win the game on TSM? And while I think that's a fair question, you know, my, resp- <laughs> my, my, response, my response to that was for our other bottom teams, like the Dignitas, like the Immortals, like the Golden Guardians, my question was, who's going to lose the game? And I yeah. think, you know, while that might, ne- might not necessarily be, you know, the basic answer to the question, I think in the LCS specifically, you know, we're not the greatest region. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think everybody knows that. And we definitely make more mistakes on a game-to-game basis than some of the other regions around the world. And I always have thought in the LCS specifically, to be at least a half-decent team, you need to not make the big mistakes and to be able to capitalize when your opponents are doing so. And I think this iteration of TSM is once again the perfect example of that, where they don't necessarily have these very strong players, but you give them the opportunity to capitalize on their opponent's mistakes, and they will do that. Like Maple. Is by no means a terrible player. This guy's been playing professionally for like eight or nine years now, and he's been playing at the top level for his respective region for the last six or seven years. And Solo is, I think everybody knows, is a good player. It's just whether or not he can fit into a team well. And I think there are some question marks with players like Boogie, Neo, and Chime. But through six games so far, Neo and Chime look decent. Boogie looks decent. It's just TSM looks decent. It's just about yeah. They're probably not going to beat your top teams, but I think they're better than most of the bottom teams.
0: I think just this weekend they look decent and I want more info. Cuz again, like I said, I'll still call them frauds if they go o three 3 this week and they look like crap cuz I didn't even though they went 2-0 week 1, they did not look good. Let's remind people of that. They've had one one out of their 3 weekends to me has looked um passable. And to the to the answer to Cubby's question, I guess the the conclusion of that is Who's gonna win it for TSM? It's kind of their opponent for drafting triple yeah. A D threat into them and for immortals running it down against the like. I know that sounds so pessimist, pessimistic, but it, it kinda seems true, at least so far, anyway. Who's next?
1: Uh we got Team Liquid up next. Um Elephant. Yeah, summits he's still a problem.
0: Even in their win that he kinda inted. his his death was an int. Which one was that?
1: Yeah. Well, there was the
0: the int against there was the int against tenacity where he gave over the kill. There yeah. was the the teleport on top of the Caitlyn alti. <laughs> um, who did they beat? ignitos Dig. And what was that int? There was one in that game that he inted as well. I don't recall. Oh, it was after a dive top happened, and then he just stuck around, and then the the Jax just killed him. It was um Armut was on Jax, was it?
1: Yeah, he was. But... He
0: just stuck around like he could have left, but he just died. <laughs> it was another, like, uh, okay, that was weird. Um, the the You know what the problem is? It's not just that he's running it down. It's that you've committed to a full Korean-speaking roster, and I don't know if you got anybody else to go in. If this continues to happen, like, he's running it down. Like, and yes, I know we can go on for days about how he's got a good laning phase and how, like, you know, He'll get you a CS lead, but what does a CS lead really matter when you're running it down the rest of the game? Like, I don't know, man. It's a problem, and maybe it's a fixable problem, but it doesn't look like that's something that's going to be fixed anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: there is no replacement, right? Like, who do you replace? Like, there's no... That's the problem when you go full Korean-speaking roster is who's going to replace him if you absolutely needed to? The only thing they're banking on right now is that he stops running it down, which is like, well, wouldn't that be nice?
1: I mean, the one thing to consider is it would be more difficult if he was a non import because I guess, I mean, doing a bit of forward thinking here, not that any of this is likely to happen, but if they wanted to get rid of Summit, you know, at the end of this split, they can just import another Korean top. So it's a little yeah. bit easier than, for example, if Impact was on this roster sure he's korean and speaks korean you know you'd have to replace him with a native player who would also speak korean which would limit your options a lot more so i would say in that sense they're a little bit lucky that summit is an import because if it doesn't work out they can just import another person however you know summit is definitely still a problem Uh, i've have always said in the past though that with summit in particular it in theory should be easy to help fix his mistakes because. I mean, it's not like
0: too though. I thought the same
1: thing. It's not simple or anything, but the short of it is, hey, stop being so aggressive and taking these like super aggressive flanks or super aggressive TPs or just you know learning when to play back a little bit more in the lane phase. Whether it's like being able to dodge jungle ganks or not be you know up and pushing your wave when your jungler is not on your side of the map, whatever it may be it feels like it should be easy because he is such a good player individually. And we can see that just simply by watching his laning, but it just the same mistakes just continue to be there on a week by week basis. And I don't really know what to say if that just continues to continue. You know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. Um, and the, the other thing that I'll even add to it is like, um, even though he's the biggest standout and he is our elephant in the room, if you will, um, I don't think that you solve Summit, that doesn't mean you solve all their problems, right? There are other issues that are going on in this TL roster. I mentioned last week that I thought Core was the only one that was playing consistently well. And then even though I still think that was the case through the first two weeks, I didn't think Core had the greatest Ash game. I He kind of just trolled by walking up against Bucio from Busio against the Varus, right? He just got ulted there, kind of yeah. gave away a kill. His positioning has not been the greatest um, in, in the rest of that game. And so like even Core's got a couple of hiccups now. Uh, on his resume, if you will. And and Yon continued to be caught out. Harry continued to be caught out. And it's not really their laning phases. Um, the one laning phase that didn't go well for TL was the one against 100 Thieves. But for the most part, their laning phases are fine. It just seems like they can't stop dying.
1: Yeah, I think... And, um... uh
0: it's not just a Summit issue. And so I guess my, my quick point is, you fix Summit, you don't fix TL.
1: Yeah, I, I, it does seem to be that they're is multiple issues with this roster but i think at the same time we do have to i mean i I say we have to but i think you know in general like yon and harry need to be giving need to be given like a little bit of slack i think it's understandable to be critical of players when they're not performing very well but don't forget that harry and yon are in pretty much the exact same position that tenacity and core jj sorry tenacity and boosty are in on 100 thieves and It's obvious that Tenacity and Busio are the weakest members of 100 Thieves, but we're not, you know, the sky is not falling over that fact. We recognize that these players are rookies and, Mm -hmm. you know, they have a long way to go. And I think the same can be said for Jan and Harry. I think kind of just the stature of Team Liquid and maybe it might be the TL fan base, but I've seen a lot of TL fans that are just upset with Harry specifically. He seems to be the one, at least in my eyes, apart from Summit, who's getting like the brunt of the flame and... I think that, yes, he is making some mistakes. He is getting caught out a lot. I would say he, he does die in lane a little bit too much, but, you know, like, just give it a little bit of time.
0: Just, just you know give what him, else him, give him about, another week or two. The other thing I'll say about Harry is there was a lot of, like, criticism for him going for the Azir uh, shuffle on lift and whoever was in that little clump around the Rift Herald fight. He was really close to hitting lift there, man. Like, if he hits that... No one is criticizing that play whatsoever. He, like, barely missed it. Like, Doublelift barely got the 90 caliber net to dash his way out of there. And, like, it's a completely different narrative off of, like, the smallest of pixels. And so I didn't really think that that was, like, the most fair criticism. He he saw a play and went for it. It didn't work out. You know? That happens. Mind you, that doesn't mean, that doesn't excuse him dying in side lanes all the time. No, like, it which doesn't. we've seen quite a fair bit of, but um yeah anyways I just think that there's some plays that are a little bit too heavily scrutinized and there's some that um are warranted for a call out I suppose
1: yeah I I think it's it's always going to be difficult when you have a roster that's not necessarily living up to the expectations that were being put on it you know I know you had them as the number two team going into the split I think I had Uh them at four but I'm, I'm not saying to single out yourself but a lot of People had this team in there at the very minimum top four, more likely top three of their, you know, their preseason power rankings and where they thought this team was going to be at going into the split. And it's obvious that they're not there yet. Yeah, but
0: that doesn't mean it can't happen, right?
1: Yeah, and I don't think that means we should sh- completely shit all over them for just being not where we thought they would be. Which is what four and two, five and one. Like they're still three and three. Like it's not like yeah. it's not like they're one and five or two and four. Like,
0: um, last week. Uh, when I was watching Hotline League live, um, Papa Smithy hopped in the chat and he made sure people knew TL's good. Like, he is, he definitely still thinks that TL is a, a threat, if you will, uh, despite the fact that they haven't looked like it on stage for the last three weeks. It sounds like they're probably a Scrim God team. I, I'm kind of guessing a little bit, but Papa Smithy seems to think really highly of them. And I'll remind people, Papa Smithy's the GM of the best team in the league at the moment. So, um, we can remind people that it's still 6 games only, not the greatest sample size. And TL, they also are working on the idea of outworking everyone. How easy that is to do, I don't know. It's it's kind of talk and not any walk, but we'll see. We'll see if one thing leads to another. Mhm. Uh Golden Guardians. Got
1: yeah, Golden Guardians the 2-0. This team is on the board now. Let's go.
0: Okay. I this is not just patting myself on the back. I'll, I'll explain. Before the season started, I I don't even know. Maybe I said it in this podcast. I don't remember, but I almost put this take on Hotline League that like this team is a good team if they just have a top laner. Um, and then I I didn't I didn't post it for whatever reason. And then they absolutely looked terrible everywhere. And I went, oh, phew, dodged a bullet. But I'm back on that again, because I think that the rest of their team looks good. I think Licorice is the only thing really holding this team back. And though I didn't think Licorice had the worst weekend, I just still think he's definitely the weakest link of this roster. But we finally saw what this bot lane could do, because Stixay and he didn't have a great start to the split. Yeah, we were talking shit just,
1: about them last week, and then they, they just showed took us over.
0: Up. Let's go, Yeah. right?
1: I mean, um, and they were... And that was
0: one of the things that I had faith in coming into the season, and then I was a little bit nervous. It looked like I was wrong. And it's just one weekend and not the greatest opponents mind you but they looked pretty damn good
1: yeah i mean whether or not they're going up against you know not the greatest of teams or bot lanes whenever you smash your opponents like especially against a bad team like that's what you should do
0: yeah and the thing is i'm I'm gonna go look at their schedule right now but i know that their first four games were against tough teams right so that kind of made sense now this week they got TSM Dignitas and then 100 Thieves. So realistically yeah. they should go 2 and 1 this week.
1: Yeah, they played in their first four games were against EG, Cloud9, FlyQuest and Team Liquid. So if you're going to lose four games, those are probably four of the five teams you want those losses to be on and for them to pick up its, you know, those two wins against, you know, the lesser teams. Very
0: good. Now we always have the discussion of where is the bar, and we kind of went, like, it might be Dignitas this year, it might be CLG, which we can kind of laugh at now because those teams are on fire. Is Golden Guardians going to take the, the bar award? It's I don't an know. Award? Whatever maybe, you it
1: might make. be TSM now, but maybe that depends on who wins their, their matchup, like you said.
0: I do not think TSM looked good enough to be the bar. I know the record is better than so Golden So you think Guardians.
1: Golden Guardians is better than TSM is what you're saying?
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, do you the... agree or disagree with that? You think TSM is a little better?
1: I think that's... I don't know honestly 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 if they played right now I would probably like I think it's a coin toss but after you see the draft I think probably whoever had the better draft would probably win they
0: play each other on Wednesday I know there we go
1: I mean I have to make my prediction before that we'll see I probably (laughs) will Golden Guardians I probably will just because I've been picking TSM a lot this year for some reason
0: yeah that is weird of you
1: but it's working out i mean (laughs) i got three wins
0: true you might have a perfect tsm prediction record we'll have to go back and check that anyways um i think i I do actually we we saw river really start to look like river as well by the way he did Uh, look a lot better this this weekend yeah and like successful ganks that is a really good sign as well like that's what you want to see out of golden Guardians. so uh, i guess i'm i'm getting a little bit hyped on on golden guardians but uh Maybe one weekend is not enough to really get too far ahead of myself there, but...
1: Well, I'm going to hype them I'm up. E- I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going to hype them up even more, because you didn't even mention Gory, and I think Gory is the best player on the team. So, hmm. you know, another pretty solid game of the Talia into Azir counter pick, which we saw against, I think it was CLG. Um, literally put Palafox in the dumpster, like, where's that guy? He's still in the dumpster, I think, and had a really good uh, Silas game also. Um. I don't know. I like Golden Guardians, you know. I, I will agree that if they had a different top lane, this team would probably be a little bit better. Um, But we see River play better this week. We saw their bot lane play better this week, and Corey still looks very good. Um, If Licorice can be 50% of the old Licorice, which is like Cloud9 Licorice, like this team actually- Licorice was decent. on
0: that Cloud9 roster. The the one that I was talking about earlier, the 17-1 yeah, Cloud9, Licorice was on that roster. Isn't that crazy to think of?
1: It's crazy like, to think that Licorice was the best top in the league for three years. We
0: know, we know that now it's, he's, the he's worst. got it in him. We know that he's got skill in him. It's just he's got to find it again. My God, man.
1: He does need to but, find it.
0: Yeah, no, the Sticks A, the, the Callista game was nice to see. We haven't seen a lot of that. It was nice to see something that wasn't Zary or Caitlyn or, well, you know, the list of like 480 carries yeah, that we see.
1: definitely interesting considering I thought that like the general vibe was that Callista was going to be like a trash tier ADC after the patch. Cause she's not like an IE or Quickblade user.
0: Let's put so. on the brakes a little bit because it was against immortals and everyone knows what I think about that bot lane. That's true. They clapped them. They were up 20 CS by seven minutes and pushed them off the wave and they got the double kill. It was like, it was exactly what you would expect out of the immortals bot lane. Um, yeah. And also in that game, I mentioned how River was a monster. He had particip- participation in all six kills by 10 minutes. Like, that guy was everywhere. Just diving, 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 diving. Um, that's, the, that's the River you want to see, man. So I'm a little bit excited. Uh, we'll have to see what happens after this weekend, after the, the weekend. Rather, the, the super week, yeah, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday. Did you know that, by the way, games are on Wednesday this week?
1: No, I didn't until you like posted that tweet. It was like... Yeah. It starts on Wednesday. It's like oh, I know. Okay. I, well, the that thing that's weird. also weird is if they're doing a Super Week right now, like normally when like when they did the Super Week format in the past, they did a Super Week week 1, 4 and 8. So, they're doing one week 4. Like they obviously have another one because they're playing three games and we don't play a total number of odd games. So, I guess the last week is also a Super Week, but I don't remember them saying anything about like planned out Super Weeks. Yeah. Kind of, okay
0: let's talk let's talk about immortals now yeah um, on the other side of the matchup we mentioned their bot lane's crap but we don't need to get we don't need to beat that dead horse yeah. let's talk about the top side again jnt that's the part of this team that we'd like to talk about go ahead
1: their their top side's not bad which is a good thing i think you know it can be, i mean we say their top side we're talking about revenge and can be here because these two players seem to be like the best two players on this team and i don't think that's much of a surprise Considering that a lot of people thought that a Blaze Olive and Tactical were two of the worst players in the LCS in twenty twenty two. And um I don't think that people really had any opinion of Flushy, um or Flush Eye, as uh some hmm. people like to call him. Like me. Well, yeah, in the co streams and stuff like that. But
0: oh, do they all- I haven't heard it on the coast streams, really? Yeah, they I missed that. Yeah, they said it once or mm. twice,
1: I heard. Um But uh you know, Kenvy. I feel like a lot of people are sort of giving him a little bit of a pass. They definitely did in 2022, where you know he was pretty much thrown into the wolves as the the lone rookie on that you know pretty awful Immortals team. And going into this year, both of us didn't have Immortals. You know, we didn't think very highly of them. We thought that they were going to be the tenth place team, but they got two wins already, and we set their over under at wins at two and a half. So.
0: I know. Is Immortals
1: going to go 0-12 the rest of the season? Or, or?
0: Yes, they will. I'm sticking to my guns. Do I actually think that? No, but like I can't. This is one of those where I just can't go back on my prediction. I, they need to find a way to lose every game. That's that's the way it goes. And honestly, they should have lost a Dignitas this weekend, man.
1: They definitely could have easily lost that game.
0: Uh, Can we clump dig in this talk as well?
1: Sure. We'll clump dig in there.
0: Uh... It's... Vaughn kind of just lost that game. So the the game against Immortals was like the reason why I gave I gave Dig the prediction was like these bot lanes are both getting clapped like crazy, but Dignitas's bot lane has been getting destroyed so bad that like there hasn't really been able there was hasn't really been the ability to, to make anything else happen anywhere else because they're losing so hard in one area. And it was like, okay, if there's a bot lane that Dignitas cannot get too destroyed by, it has to be immortals. And that's kind of how it went. Immortals won the lane like a little bit um but Dignitas was able to make things happen and even credit to Santorin this is the first time we saw Santorin gank heavily like Santorin was all over the place in that game ganking top ganking mid making things happen and so it was like hey Santorin's back and then ultimately it was still thrown later um but that was also kind of thrown by spawn not just spawn but the biggest throw was spawn getting hit by the Cassante Q3
1: yeah, um I just to quickly flip back to your Santorin point. It did feel like this was the first game that we saw like a little bit of the, you know, the the TL Santorin because he was super active in the early game as opposed Even to Even
0: Flyquest Santorin, right? Just ganking yeah. early.
1: Um but compared to the first four games that we saw of him on Dignitas, it was basically just like AFK farming while trying to attend to these like you know just straight up, like, I don't even want to say losing lanes because they weren't losing. Like, they were getting annihilated. Like, it wasn't even close, especially in the bot lane. Like, what you said, like, 31, what you said it last week, their bot lane was down, like, an average of 31 CS. At 15 yeah. minutes, like, that is absolutely, like, disgusting. Yeah. Um, but I think we did see... That there was a couple, like, there was a couple moments for Dignitas this week to, like, build upon. You know, Armut had a pretty decent game against... uh revenge or was it revenge yeah i no. no. this is the Jax game though the the, the other one summit yeah that one like he had a, he had a decent game on the jacks you know santorin looked a little bit more active and better in the early game but th- the problem with dignitas is you already said it like their bot lane is just too terrible like
0: we didn't hear that much memeing about the dignitas baron but like it applied it definitely applied this weekend the you know what the biggest issue was it wasn't that they went to Baron. It was that once they went to Baron and the other team decided to contest Baron, they didn't know what to do. They lost their freaking minds. Some people went up, some people went down, and they just all split. And they they were like the freaking, uh, it was like the movie Ratatouille, where they're running all over the place. Oh, my God. That's, that's what happened once Immortals decided to contest Baron. Um and it happened a couple of times as well. The one time was on Jensen. Jensen decides to run up towards top lane, whereas like his bot lane has no business running that way. So now they're split that lets immortals engage on them. And then the other time was um, spawn decides to go around the Baron pit and the the fights breaking out in river and he's on the other side of the Baron uh, Baron pit wall. Like he is in no man's land. So like it was just really bad positioning when the team fights broke out that like there's no way they can win these team fights and so even though spawn getting picked is the big thing to show um when they really threw the game there was a couple of barons earlier that they kind of threw just by having really poor positioning and so um i think that was the main reason why they couldn't close out the game even against freaking immortals
1: yeah i I feel like a sign of a, a struggling team or one that's sort of lacking communication is always towards like tail end of those team fights or objectives where You know people are running away or you know kind of chaos is happening and people got to exit when everybody splits off into different directions or one guy splits off into a different direction like that's always like a sign that you know not everybody is on the same page because i mean i'm just assuming here but you know when when you're playing league and you're you're talking about like entering or exiting an area of the map like you talk you talk about it like you say like hey guys i was like enter through here oh guys everybody walked this way like don't path that way like they have vision stuff like that so yeah, I feel like just looking from the outside in a little bit, and I guess I am assuming, but you know, this team's probably not talking a whole lot. You know, how how can you when you're just getting destroyed every single game? But you know, I I don't blame a lot of the players in this situation. Like it's it's a shit situation. You know, I think people recognize that there there was some potential on this roster, specifically with Santorin and Jensen, just because of their history within the LCS, but. With them two, you know, not necessarily looking the greatest with uh, some other players who people thought weren't that great to begin with going into the year. Um, it's it's not been the best uh, situation there in Dignitas land.
0: Um, before we move on, I guess I just want to get the updated Immortals over under. Now, I'm going to stick with the under of two and a half because I just had a pure stubbornness. But I want your new over/under for this for this point. Where where are you giving it?
1: Um, guess I got a... maybe like five and a half now. I think if okay. I, if I were to give an accurate, you know, that number, seems fair. I would still take the under. I think. But- <laughs> like
0: we'll we'll see watch they have like five wins in like two weeks and then we're, uh, we're like oh, okay now we gotta bump it up again yeah. we'll see okay so you're taking the over or rather the under for the over under of five and a half
1: yeah if if we had to but i would like to stick with the same old two and a half because it'd be funny yeah, if they sticking just with the under I'm although i don't think that's going to be the case because we have uh some teams in the league that are free wins at the current moment
0: yeah yeah I'm going to take them to lose the rest of their games. Okay, uh speaking of bad CLG. Yeah.
1: CLG Faithful they're in shambles right now. I don't know what to say like
0: Okay, so this is where I want to talk about CLG with the whole synergy thing because everyone ourselves included said like the advantage that this team has over the other teams is that they kept all five players And there shouldn't be any issues of building up synergy. And we saw week one, remember that arrow play, top lane? Like, you could tell they were on the same page. However, I think we all agreed that this whole synergy buff should have lasted more than a week, right? And now it seems like they're not on the same page at all. And so Mm -hmm. that's what's so um, fascinating, I guess, is like, how does this team that is supposed to have the buff of having played together already... Just lose that buff all of a sudden, and and how long was that buff supposed to last? Was it supposed to last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? How long would you say that was supposed to last? I don't know.
1: I would always say for me, like when you look at a team that we're assuming is like you know, if if you were to take this CLG team and put it back in the LCS, however long it usually felt like teams who had like a pre-existing lineup from a year or a split prior always had like at least half of the half of the first split like half a year or or half like the first nine games basically and yeah clg after the first week does not look good at all
0: you know what i think is a good way to look at it is to look at their opponents so like how long should it take for a fresh roster to start to synergize right and so let's say FlyQuest, for example, because we were worried about that language bears. They didn't really play together. Any of them? Did any of them play together? I don't think so.
1: No, they didn't.
0: And so FlyQuest is maybe not the fairest example because they're the best team in the league. But the point is, like, I would say at this point you expect FlyQuest to look on the same page. Is there any other team that like is a bunch of random players?
1: Uh I don't think any of the to players <clears throat> said I mean, apart from Jan and Harry them playing on and like, cl academy like none of them had ever played together i mean core is on team liquid so he probably knows of them but
0: yeah
1: i've never but played you know together I'm going with this though no, like I, if yeah. you
0: expect the other teams by like let's say week four or five to have some synergy built up then you would expect that the advantage clg should have had over those teams
1: was four to five weeks
0: exactly right yeah. and it just fell off in week two which is like oh no that's really not good that's not not good at all and i guess we could start to talk about individual performances poom had an awful weekend man yeah that, that poor, was poor guy against uh was it golden guardians
1: dude what was i'm sorry what was the meme like the mark Z meme when poom played on who gang <laughs> yeah that was some hashtag poo gang shit right there that, yeah that
0: was hashtag poo gang oh my oh. god
1: that shit was so funny
0: the thing is, though, is, like, I think this bot lane has been pretty good for the most part since they, you know, started playing in the LCS. Yeah, they have. Um Just... But this week was not good at all. Poom was getting clapped. I mean, that, that, what what was it? That was... The Kate was, Lux uh, game you're thinking Kate of. Lux versus yeah, Ezreal it, Karma?
1: It was that one, yep.
0: Yeah. And I suppose you could give credit to Golden Guardians at the same time for landing everything. But it wasn't just in lane him getting poked out. I mean, it started there, but then even later on, he just ended up getting caught out as well and dying. And so it was a rough, rough weekend for, for Poom and hashtag Pooh gang.
1: Yeah, and not to, to like double down and add to the CLG, uh, you know, disdain right now, but uh, unfortunately for them, they got a pretty tough remainder of the first half round Robin coming up. They still have to play Fly, TL,
0: and 100 Thieves. It's a seven loss streak, right? Yeah, I mean their. I mean, it doesn't. It's not for sure, but that's what you expect based off their.
1: And based off their opponents, their best chance to win is probably against Team Liquid. But I think that you know TL's weaknesses kind of don't necessarily play into CLG's strengths, because you know TL is probably going to get out to a massive lead just straight up by individual laning. And while CLG has won some games from a deficit, they're not necessarily always the best team to play from a deficit, especially if the person that you set behind is contracts. Because like, when, when you take contracts out of the game, CLG really just can never do anything. Yeah, he's, he's really just like the spark of the team to be able to do anything. And you really see it pretty drastically on a game-to-game basis where contracts is like carrying or heavily involved. CLG doing really well. And whenever he's not, CLG is usually doing quite bad.
0: And I, the thing is, I'm really worried for CLG, and I don't have the answer of, like, what the fix is. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like roster considerations, if the losing continues, are is definitely something that you have to consider. Um, I can't recall. I remember CLG, like, their academy, back when Doe was on their academy team, their academy team was quite successful, so I don't recall if any of those previous players are still on you know clg academy or in the the challenger league whatever that team name might be now but you know you might have to start taking a hard look at a few of these players and be like "Eh, do we need to do anything
0: but and the thing is if you make a change that i mean we already talked about it but that completely takes away your strength yeah in in air quotes of having the same roster and built up synergy so it's like
1: yeah then i didn't even think about
0: that but that's the one thing they got going for themselves yeah and it's not working right now. I don't know what you do anyways. Um, shout out to the CLG faithful, though. They never let go. That that might be one of the most loyal fan bases in all of esports is CLG. Love the CLG fans. Even though sometimes you're delusional, I still love you.
1: <laughs> it can be a bit delusional sometimes.
0: Okay. After the um, after
1: the two zero start. We're going up with it. Yeah, stop.
0: Dude, me. they are classic delusional, right? You mentioned last week the Weldon and the and the Tafo Kints oh, yeah. thing. It's classic, but God bless them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about which team is ramping up and ramping down. Now, obviously, you could point to FlyQuest as ramping up. Obviously, you can point to Dignitas as ramping down. But what I want to get at, JNT, is is there a team that you think is ready to take off um, or ready to just fall off a cliff that might not be so obvious uh, based off of what the record looks like?
1: Um, well, I-, I wanted to give two... Two answers for each part, if that if that's okay. I have Yeah, go for it. We have like I wanted to give one from like the top ish part of the standings and one from the bottom ish part of the standings. So Okay. We talk about ramping up, you know, to start off with the top. I think the one team that you can look out and say that they are ramping up is probably Evil Geniuses. Um I think Mm -hmm. that's purely off the fact that JoJo had a much better week compared to his first two. True. And that this team still looks really, really good despite the losses to fly uh, FlyQuest this past weekend i still think this team individually looks really good and i think everybody still thinks that inspired is one of the top three junglers in the league whether you think it's blabber speak or inspired inspired is easily in that top three conversation It's probably one or two for the most part and i think they've got their more difficult part of the schedule past them now you know they've played cloud nine 100 thieves and Flyquest, so i think they got some some easy wins in their future um and i guess to Throw then one to the more bottom part of the standings. Golden Guardians, I mean, we kind of talked about them already, but yeah. they started off 0-4. They just picked up two wins. Gory's looking That's really my good. Pick. I you all aboard the Golden Guardians train, dog.
0: Yeah, that is my pick. I, I'm I'm hopping on the train. Uh, hopefully, I mean, the, the worry about the Still train is that it derails. It. You worry that it derails with licorice, but I don't know. It's it, Maybe it's like blind optimism. I don't know. I just think the rest of the, that team is too good to continue to sit at the bottom of the standings. I think they'll they should be a middle of the pack team, which I think is definitely a ramp up, considering they started 0-4 and they're only two and four now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think Golden Guardians ends around 500, so maybe maybe like eight wins, ten losses area. So mm-hmm. I think that's a ramp up, if you will.
1: And then I think on the flip side, for the teams that you could say are ramping down, and you know, I will admit this one is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but you could argue that it is. You know, Cloud Nine. They didn't look very good this past weekend. you know. I
0: did consider them. I did. I almost said them as ramping down. Yeah. Sorry, well, go I, ahead.
1: I, I I had two for each, so I felt like I could throw them in there, and okay. we get the chance to talk about it. But, you know, you kind of pointed it out right when we started talking about Cloud9. Their presumed biggest strength is blabber in their early game, and we saw almost none of that this past weekend. And, you know, it will be interesting to see if we see a bit of a continuation of this, if they want to... They want to stray away from that and want to maybe try some more late game, you know, carry, you know, play styles out, which isn't as quite blabber focused. But, you know, I think Cloud9, they have still some room to grow. And whether or not they capitalize on that and actually improve and grow, they're going to get better. But if we see a bit more of the same, you know, maybe they, they trickle down the standings a bit. Yeah. And then the yeah. other team that we kind of just talked about, so we won't beat the dead horse too much, but CLG. They could be a tenth place team by the end of next week. Yeah. So actually, the only they can't because Dignitas doesn't have a win. So never mind. They could be the ninth place team.
0: The only reason why I didn't go with CLG is because it feels like they've already ramped down. You know. That's fair. Yeah. Um. But Immortals picked up a win this week, and I still think they're ramping down. So my pick is Immortals still. Okay. No need to beat the dead horse. It's pretty obvious why um but yeah that my pick is immortals because they picked up that win but i'm just not buying it man that win against dignitat i'm salty about that because i predicted dig if you haven't noticed um anything else on the ramping up ramping down i want to get to the, the the question in the live chat if, if you have nothing more to say on no
1: this. no i think that's it for me
0: so rain in the live chat shout out to you he says is it a hot take to say fly and eg are head and shoulders above the rest of the lcs with c9 a distant third place jnt you want to go first word there
1: um, I would agree that EG and Fly are one and two. I wouldn't agree that Cloud9 is a distant third, considering they had a pretty close game against EG and a relatively close. I wouldn't. It wasn't a close game against FlyQuest, but it was. It was like a close game until it wasn't, sort of, against FlyQuest. So
0: the thing is, I don't think it's obvious to say that, which I think in turn makes it a somewhat hot take. I oh think yeah, it would,
1: sorry. It say, is a hot take. I would say then, yeah.
0: Saying head and shoulders, I don't necessarily agree with, but I agree with the idea that I do think those are two best teams and that they are above the rest. Yeah. Um, it, head and shoulders, I don't know if that implies like fly in EGRS tier, and then there's, like, there's no A tier, and then there's B for everyone else. I wouldn't say that, and I don't know if that's what he's saying in the live chat, but I just want to say that I do think that your 100 Thieves, your C9, those kind of teams are in the A right behind them, I guess, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think if I had to do like a miniature tier list at this exact moment, FlyQuest would be like S tier, and C9, 100 these and EG would all be A, probably.
0: Hmm. And where's EG? Did you say they're A? Yeah, EG,
1: C9, and okay. 100 tier A. Gotcha. And then, it, it, if I were to say anything, I would say the big gap is between after those teams, and then your Team Liquid, and your TSM, your Golden Guardians, after that, so... I would say the big gap for me in the standings is after four, big gap, TL, uh, TSM, Golden Guardians, big gap, CLG, Dig Immortals.
0: The biggest problem I have with the whole tier list thing is I struggle to know where to put EG because of their first two weeks looking a little lackluster with JoJo. But then this week, him looking so much better. It's like, I, I don't know if I could put them S, but I don't know if I could put them with the rest. So that's where I struggle there. But anyways, I appreciate the question in the live chat. Um, he also says Dig twenty twenty three is looking more like CLG twenty twenty one, and I think a few people have made that comparison, and I think it's fair, honestly. I, yep. I don't think it's exact, but I think it's fair to make to connect the dots, if you will.
1: I concur. Uh, where are we
0: going next, Ginter?
1: Well, we want to do a little bit of LEC talk because you love our LEC okay. on this show. Um, you know, funnily enough, we're filming in the afternoon the right news. now, <laughs> yeah. so LEC is actually going on right now. It's you know they're on best of three stage now. They finished their first winter split and have now moved on from the regular season to i think it's called the group stage if i remember correctly
0: and um, i guess we should say spoiler alert for yesterday's games
1: yes sure i Do, guess
0: don't please don't spoil today's games for me
1: i'm looking at them but i won't say anything okay like i've, I've seen who is winning but
0: basically it just shows that we prioritize football over the lec yep super bowl beast
1: Makes sense. I'm picking the Chiefs, uh, by the way, just for the people out there who want to know.
0: I think the Eagles are going to win. Anyways, yeah, go birds in live chat. Okay, uh, what, you, you wanted to talk about Razork, so go ahead with the Razork stuff.
1: Yeah, so I, I, obviously everybody knows the whole story in the LEC right now is Fnatic basically shitting the bed. Uh, did they finish last place? I don't know. Maybe they finished ninth place. XL finished last place, but I think they I both think, had yeah, two I, wins, so... Both XL and Fnatic, I think, finished at with the 2-7 and seven record in the LEC, which I think both of those teams were going to be probably towards, everyone thought they were going to be towards the top of the standings just based on the rosters that they produced. But obviously, Fnatic has just been the talk of the town and the esports, you know, sort of scene, it feels like, for the last two to three weeks now. And, you know, Razork, uh, there, there was like a couple people who took to social media or streams to talk about like the whole situation reckless put out like a, a video on twitter right after they lost their their game against was a or was it sk it no it was sk i think and I then razork it, yeah no. and then razork went on stream and was talking about a lot of the problems and then we've had some other stories come out in the form of like you know sources and rumors and that talking about how n- none of the other premier european 80 carries wanted to play on Fnatic because of Rux um and, and a bunch of other stuff so i think I mean, a couple of topics just to, to touch on. One, I don't even know if you saw this. I don't remember, recall if I posted it in relevant content, but uh, with no other top ADCs in EU wanted to play with Rux. Did you know that? I did see that. Did I did see that? see that,
0: which I thought was surprising. Now, look, the thing is, I'm not going to pretend like I know a whole lot about this player, but it seemed like he, pre- he performed really well when he needed to just sub right in for, uh, was it at Worlds? Was that, when it, was that? Was Was that, that the,
1: year? yeah, playing stage at Worlds last year. That's what it
0: was. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, everything seemed fine there, but, like, that's just so not enough information to really know what's going on. But, yeah, that was really surprising that no one really wanted to play with him.
1: And then I think to sort of piggyback off, you know, the problems in Fnatic, another thing that people wanted to point to was uh, Champions Queue over in Europe. Uh, after the regular season finished, you know, people... Kind of wanted to draw some loose comparisons to team performance relative to the number of Champions Q games that they were playing, and Mm -hmm. you know the big thing to talk about there was you know some of your presumed top teams in XL and Fnatic were actually among the lowest amount of Champions Q games played. When you look at the presumed bad teams in the LEC, like SK and BDS, were actually the team who was grinding Champions Q the hardest. So once again, it has brought up this conversation of. Is Champions a useful tool for players to improve and to practice and whatnot? And if you were to take the data from the LEC, I think you would argue, yes, it's definitely a very useful tool. If two of the bottom teams in the league, once again, assumed bottom teams in BDS and SK, all of a sudden are finishing top three, top four standings wise, in correlation with grinding a lot of Champions skew, the math checks out there. You know what I mean? Don't
0: forget, though, Astralis, they were all all of the, uh, the Astralis lineup had more than 20 games. All of them.
1: Yeah. Well, true, sure, but they weren't, you know, as as good as Excel or or sorry, as SK and BDS. But a good example nonetheless of a bad team improving and looking better.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I would say that too. Even though Astralis is by no means the best team in the league, they were historically the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe there's there maybe there is some some improvement there. So I think it's it's fair to or let's let's not even say necessarily fair. It's interesting and worth bringing up. I think.
1: Yeah. I know. Um, I know you were. Go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I, if, I was about to move to a different point here. So if, if you were go finish your point.
0: I was just going to say it is really similar to the conversations that happened in the LCS, which I think part of me is like I feel bad for LEC fans because we know what it was like last year to not see LCS people use champions Q, but then part of me kind of wants to smile and laugh because it's like last year all the european fans were saying that lcs players are lazy and then it's like well some of the european players are literally doing the exact same thing so that's i don't know it's it gave me a little bit of a chuckle that like the lec experiment with champions Q wasn't that different than the lcs um even though it's maybe a little different
1: yeah it does seem It seems to be on a similar track in terms of it had all that initial hype and there was a lot of games being played. And I think while Champions League was still active, you know, there hasn't been like an absurd number of games. I know it's still like the queue times are still quite long. I remember I think I was listening to Yankos, like a Yankos clip or something a week a bit ago, and he was saying how like the queue times are like 20 to 30 minutes. So while it's still, you know, better gameplay, it still takes just as long as it has been in N.A., when it has been you know a priority but i was going to shift over to the xl side of things like you were an xl guy you have been for the last couple of years now and yeah. obviously they didn't have a great split and they're apparently getting rid of their like gm and head coach now so how do, how do they it's fix it that
0: I'm, it's not that i'm no longer an xl guy it's just that i'm not as much as i was before and The thing is, I I realize, like, Nuke Duck wasn't the best player in the world, but what I did really like about that player is he had a champion ocean. I liked that when you watched him, you didn't know what pick was going to come out, and every once in a while you'd see some random-ass shit. And so that was one of the reasons why I liked Excel. And then they lost him, so, like, that's kind of, like, eh, you know? Um... I like, I like, I still like, I'm a big fan of Marcoon, So like, I'm cheering for SK a little bit. The thing is XL also got Oduwamne, which I like Womne as well. And I like Patrick. So it's not like I'm no longer a fan. It's just when you lose pieces or some of the favorite pieces you had, even if it is an upgrade, like even if people will say VTO is obviously an upgrade over uh, Nuke Duck, Didn't play like, like it, but. Well, yeah, th- I mean, yeah. Uh, here's the other thing. This is maybe going to be a hot take, but I, I think I might've even said to you that I always thought that VTO was overrated. Did you, you I say had, that to you before?
1: You've had, you said this on, that on here.
0: Yeah, and it's not that I think he's a bad player by any means. It just felt like the whole community of the LEC really hyped him up as an MVP before he had even earned it, and it felt like everyone wanted to give him an MVP. I don't know. That was just the sense I got. When I watched, I wasn't ever that impressed, um, despite the fact that he did have some really, really good Akali games. I just didn't think it was consistent enough, um, but that's, that's a whole other tangent.
1: So what's your, what's your main team that you're pulling for then?
0: I don't know. That's the problem is I haven't enjoyed LEC that much this year. Cause I don't like, I don't have a team that I care about that much.
1: I would, um, I would say, like um
0: I like Koi still. I like those guys. I would say I'm still on like the
1: vitality hype train a little bit, you know? Oh, that guy
0: was e- easier for me to hate when they had Alfari. you know? Yeah. Like, when when guys leave the LCS like Perks and Alfari, it was like I don't want them to leave the LCS and go have all this success. It's like no, you left us. Which don't get me wrong, that is their main region. I don't blame them whatsoever. It's more of a I can admit that it's pettiness. I can totally admit that. But like I loved watching them lose, and while like I could still be like a little bit of a Perks hater in a way, it just doesn't feel the same without Alfari being there. Yeah,
1: LEC games are definitely hyped though. You know, while the game doesn't necessarily go super late anymore with the way that they've changed it. Like, LEC, man, those games are still, like, they got some bangers in there. Like, that Vitality, who were they playing? XL? Yeah, they are playing XL. The last game of the split, like, it was like a 53-minute game or something.
0: Triple Elder Dragon. Like, that game was sick. It's also hard to be a Perks hater because, like, he is, like, a good personality for the league and he is a great player and he's got this good work ethic that he's had for years. So it's also hard to be a, to be a hater on him for that reason as well. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really i'm not as invested in lec i still watch all the games but i was a little bit more invested last year and years prior
1: yeah i'm I'm surprised you said that like lec is hype right now this is like probably the most i've followed lec in like the last couple splits honestly i've been I, watching almost all the I'm games i'm still watching
0: i'm still watching them all i'm watching all the games it's just uh i don't know yeah narratives matter to me i guess i don't know fair enough
1: um, we got a, a smidgen of quick news, not really anything, kind of just a, more of a piggyback off of the topic we discussed last week, but uh Tigris, she uh, was taking a self-imposed mental health break from the LCS, obviously because of all the backlash that she's been getting. No surprise to that. Uh once again bring up the fact that you know, I in my opinion, Riot failed her completely in this situation not taking the blame for a segment that was produced in tandem with them. And obviously she's the one who's presenting it and received the brunt of the flame. There was even some more bullshit that like went on where she posted an apology on Twitter, which we briefly discussed in our quick news of last week. But then a couple hours later, like a couple hours later, it all got blown out of hand when Doublelift and Lena decided to chime in and give their unnecessary responses to the situation. I say unnecessary, maybe that's not necessarily accurate because they were on, if was on TSM during this whole situation, but like, let's be honest here, like it was so stupid that they just felt the need to include their their flame in their responses to this shit on Twitter and just, once again, made a bad situation even worse by bringing it up.
0: I definitely think it was unnecessary, and I'm not trying to discount the issues that they had to deal with as far as the abuse from Reggie, but like when La Tigris makes that apology, she's clearly trying to say, hey, my bad. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I felt like it was really dogpile because I, I don't think there's anything wrong with La Tigris standing up for herself for getting hateful messages. So I didn't mind that she was like, hey, I'm acknowledging that I messed up, but it's not cool to be, you know, uh, bombarded with threats and whatnot like she said she was. I don't know if that was the exact verbiage, but you get the idea. There's no There's no reason for her to get abuse. After doing a, a piece about abuse, you know? So, I don't know. I felt it was unnecessary. But then, obviously, came to the rescue, brought them together, it seems like. And so, everything kind of calmed down after that. So, that was good.
1: Yeah. Just not the greatest uh, situation, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. But anyways, we, uh, we hopped into Quick News JNT, but we didn't do our predictions yet.
1: Oh, my goodness. I literally... Oh, my God. Yeah, you're completely right. I didn't, um, so, I didn't have it written down here. That, that, wait, did that I that have okay. it? I don't know. Maybe I didn't, uh, but...
0: No, that's all right. I, I remember. It's rolling. We'll oh, my goodness. We'll do predictions, and then we'll close out.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do these real quick. Do to you have them the, ready? Yeah, yeah. To update the people, okay. uh, I'm 20 and 10. Blue Jay is 21 and 9. Um, I was about
0: to run away with it this week, and then... Oh,
1: yeah, I ha- <laughs> I was like 1 dude. and 4. I think I was 1 and 4 on the Thursday games. But... uh. We got a super week, so it's a bit of a banger here. Uh, first up, Wednesday. Once again, Wednesday. Evil Geniuses versus 100 Thieves. I am going to take EG.
0: EG as well. And then we got Immortals and FlyQuest. We're both going FlyQuest. Yep. CLG Team Liquid. Yep. Team Liquid. Uh, Dignitas Cloud9. We're both going Cloud9. Yep. This is where you have to go. So TSM and Golden Guardians. You said you have to go TSM. <laughs> I did say go that. I'm gonna go Golden Guardians. I will pick TSM. The thing is, it's not impossible. Like, no, it's not. Licorice, I mean, right?
1: He definitely could. I'm like, if there's a if top you,
0: gap there in yeah. theory.
1: If you're a Golden Guardians fan, you want to see Licorice on the on the boring ass Renekton pick this week.
0: And that, that thing ramping that he's been up decent on that ramping up I was talking about earlier with Golden Guardians. If you lose to TSM, the that that you're no longer ramping anywhere. Well, maybe down actually. That ramp goes the opposite direction. Okay, then we got Thursday games. We got Team Liquid versus Evil Geniuses. I am going EG. Yeah, EG. Immortals Cloud9, Nine, Cloud9. Nine. Yep. CLG One Hundred Thieves, One Hundred Thieves. Yep. TSM FlyQuest, FlyQuest. I just,
1: w- say, yeah, I just cool. wanted to see your reaction. I was looking at your face cam, and then you like you got a bit wide eyed for like half a second. I was like.
0: No, I didn't. Not for a second that I think you were going to take TSM. I was waiting for the confirmation. Okay, then Dignitas, Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians. Yeah, probably. Uh, CLG FlyQuest. FlyQuest. These games don't seem all that close this week.
1: Yeah, these are kind of ass.
0: Uh, FlyQuest, uh, yes for me. Immortals, Evil Geniuses. Yeah, EG. EG. Team Liquid, Cloud9. Okay, this is one that's close.
1: I'm still going to pick C9
0: yeah me too okay then tsm dignitas oh my god i know i'm not even gonna look at your cam because i know you're just praying to god i take dignitas
1: yeah it sounds like you might i'm gonna pick tsm i guess but
0: when the hell are they gonna win they gotta win one
1: they do have to win one. I mean, hopefully they win one. You definitely don't want to be the team to go 0-18 in the LCS. We've never had that. We've had 1-7. We've had, we've never had 18 and 0. We've never had 0 and 18, but we've had like the plus 1 or minus 1 off of that, so.
0: I can't believe Dignitas is worse than Immortals. Okay, anyways, TSM, I can't do I can't do it.
1: And 100 Thieves.
0: Uh Golden Guardians versus 100 Thieves. I know Golden Guardians is ramping up, but I don't know if they're ramping up that much. One hundred thieves. I'll go 100 so,
1: thieves. the only one we have different is TSM versus Golden Guardians on Wednesday. Is that it? Wednesday. Oh no. Maybe well, ma- maybe maybe stuff spices up and we change our predictions on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter then for our predictions. You know what? Yeah. Maybe we maybe we make some adjustments. Maybe TSM starts shitting the bed yet. and neither have I. So I don't know. But okay, we're far enough into the season now where swapping could be in order.
0: Okay. Alrighty. Um, all right, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us. appreciate those that subbed in the live chat. We appreciate your prime subscriptions. And remember, if you enjoy enjoying the content, hit the subscribe button and the like button and leave a comment. Guys, you know that stuff helps us a lot. Please keep doing it if you are able. And if you're enjoying the content, that stuff uh, matters to us quite a bit. Um, enjoy the super week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And we'll wow. see you guys next week. This has been episode 113 of the Clown Fiesta podcast.